Hello there, old and new friends. Welcome to Divine Musing, episode 24, It Took a Woman, Deborah and JL. I am Destiny Rambo Corey, and I am so thankful that you have joined me for this journey into scripture, literature, poetry, and prayer as we view them through the light of transformation and growth. I am so thrilled to announce that in the future, I will be adding episodes dispersed throughout the mix titled, It Took a Woman, that focus on women in scripture that we can learn the most from, beginning with two that have influenced me probably the most, Deborah and JL. Here's something I've been thinking about lately. We begin with a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. A woman is like a tea bag. You never know how strong it is until it's in hot water. When I was around 10 years old, my family were touring and ministering in the Pacific Northwest. I'll never forget the day that my dad got a phone call from a woman named Linda Knight who heard we were passing through Monroe, Washington, where she and her husband, Joe, pastored the Rock Church Northwest. We weren't scheduled to minister at the church, but she told my dad that God had given her prophetic words for everyone on the bus, and she asked if we could stop by the church on our way through town so that she could share those words and pray over all of us. Let me preface by saying that Linda was a wild woman. She was a Sioux Native American and would dance and move with the spirit in ways that were mesmerizing to watch. Um, I've never met an intercessor who prayed like her and as a child, I just wanted to be as wild and wise as she was when I grew up. We pulled into the church and pastors Joe and Linda were waiting for us at the door. They ushered us into the sanctuary where Linda was about to wreck all of our worlds. (laughs) One by one, she spoke over us what Divine had shown her, and then she prayed a specific prayer to sort of seal that word in our lives. I was one of the last ones that she spoke to and how I wish that moment had been recorded. This was in the early 90s and it wasn't like you could do today, just turn on a cell phone camera or a um, like audio recording app and capture the moment. Um, but uh, it changed my life. Um, When she finished, I rushed to grab my Bible to write down as many things as I could remember so I wouldn't forget them. I actually still have that Bible over on my desk uh, with all those notes scribbled inside. I will never forget how she began with me. She took my hands and she closed her eyes in sort of a sing-songy way, said, Little bee, little bee, there is healing in your hands and wisdom in your crown. And she just, she kept singing that over and over. Little bee, little bee, there is healing in your hands and wisdom in your crown. And then she opened her eyes and seemingly peered into my soul. And she said, hello, little Deborah. From that point on, I don't remember exactly how she worded everything, but she told me that I needed to study the biblical story of Deborah and that it would help me understand who I would grow up to become. She said several other things. Uh, One of them, strangely, was that I would marry an eagle, and she told me that I would know it was him because there would be a symbol of an eagle that, uh, like, shrouded him, I think was the word she used. Um, Joel, my husband, has a big old tattoo of an eagle on his arm, and when I saw it for the first time, I was like, oh! 
it's the eagle. Um, but when I tell you that everything she prophesied over me has either come to pass or I can, I can, in a spiritual sense, see it on the horizon, I'm not exaggerating. She said so many things, but she kept returning uh, to her first words, little b, little b, um, and she was adamant that I understood the charge to study Deborah. I was so young and I definitely didn't know how to study scripture in the way that I do now, uh, but I remember reading Judges chapter four and five over and over again, like it was gonna somehow absorb itself into my system if I just kept reading it over and over. Um, I was so enthralled by that tale and it reads more like a C.S. Lewis novel than what I had up until that point understood scripture to kind of read like. I was gonna write a synopsis to share, but I think reading through Judges chapter four is gonna be much more effective in conveying the wonders of this story. Deep breath, here we go. After Ehud's death, the people of Israel again sinned against the Lord. So the Lord let them be conquered by King Jabin of Hazor in Canaan. The commander-in-chief of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoyim. He had 900 iron chariots and made life unbearable for the Israelis for 20 years, but finally they begged the Lord for help. Israel's leader at that time, the one who was responsible for bringing the people back to God, was Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidus. She held court at a place now called Deborah's Palm Tree between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her to decide their disputes. One day, she summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord God of Israel has commanded you to mobilize 10,000 men from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun. Lead them to Mount Tabor to fight King Jabin's army with all his chariots under General Sisera's command. The Lord says, I will draw them to the Kishon River and you will defeat them there. I'll go, but only if you go with me, Barak told her. All right, she replied, I'll go with you, but I'm warning you now that the honor of conquering Sisera will go to a woman instead of you. So she went with him to Kadesh. When Barak summoned the men of Zebulun and Naphtali to mobilize at Kadesh, 10,000 men volunteered, and Deborah marched with them. Heber the Kenite, the Kenites were the descendants of Moses' father-in-law, Hobab, and moved away from the rest of the clan and had been living in various places as far away as the Oak of Zananim near Kadesh. When General Sisera was told that Barak and his army were camped at Mount Tabor, he marched his entire army, including the 900 iron chariots, and marched from Harasheth Hagoyim to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, now is your time for action. The Lord leads on. He has already delivered Sisera into your hand. So Barak led his 10,000 men down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. Then the Lord threw the enemy into a panic, both the soldiers and the charioteers, and Sisera leaped from his chariot and escaped on foot. 
Barak and his men chased the enemy and the chariots as far as Harasheth Hagoyim until all of Sisera's army was destroyed. Not one man was left alive. Meanwhile, Sisera had escaped to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was a mutual assistance agreement between King Jabin of Hazor and the clan of Heber. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, "'Come into my tent, sir. You will be safe here in our protection. Don't be afraid.' So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket. "'Please give me some water,' he said, "'for I am very thirsty.' So she gave him some milk and covered him again. "'Stand in the door of the tent,' he told her, "'and if anyone comes by looking for me, "'tell them that no one is here.' Then Jael took a sharp tent peg and a hammer and quietly creeping up to him as he slept, she drove the peg through his temples and into the ground. And so he died for he was fast asleep from weariness. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said, come, I will show you the man you were looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera laying there dead with the tent peg through his temples. So from that day, the Lord used Israel to subdue King Jabin of Canaan. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until he and all his people were destroyed. I mean, it doesn't get much more bad to the bone, right? Deborah was a force of nature, a wise judge, a warrior, wife, protector, friend, and we find out in the next chapter she was quite a singer and songwriter. The name Deborah also happens to mean bee. Yes, bee. There is so much to unpack in her story that we don't have time for today. Uh, where she came from, who was she, or who she was surrounded by, and the history of the conflicts of her people were all factors in shaping the powerful woman that she was. The part of her story that always makes me chuckle is when she sends for Barak, the commander of her army, whose name actually means lightning, uh, and tells him that God has commanded him to go to war. She gives him the whole strategy, who to take, where to go, what to do, and his response, um, I'll go, but only if you go with me. This interaction cracks me up every time I read it. And I just think it gives so much insight into how powerful a woman that she was and the courage that she was able to ignite in those that she led. So then she puts the cherry on top of the Sunday, so to speak, when she warns Barak that the victory of the battle would be at the hands of a woman and not at his hands. Enter the second bad to the bone woman of this tale, JL. When I read her part of the story as a child, I was in awe of this woman who came across as so brave and fearless, which she absolutely is. But in studying her story now with fresh eyes and a better understanding of how to interpret the text, her side of the story just broke me. As I was studying her story told in chapter four and then retold a little bit in the Song of Deborah in chapter five, I just had this sinking pit in my stomach that there was more to it. So I did some digging into the original Hebrew, sought the wisdom of some Jewish scholars, as well as reached out to one of my spiritual fathers, who's a brilliant Old Testament theologian, to confirm my suspicions. I won't go into graphic detail, but the hidden story in this text goes further than her just giving him milk and him falling asleep. 
historians and theologians alike are convinced that Sisera knew Jael and her husband Heber. He also knew that Heber would not be home, and when he fled to hide in her tent, he sexually assaulted Jael before falling asleep from his exhaustion. Jael then hammered the tent peg into his skull right in the same place where she had been raped. Historians differ on their understandings of whether it happened once or if it happened multiple times. One scholar whose teaching I read suggested it could have happened up to seven times and that the interaction between JL and Sisera was drawn out for several hours and not as quick as skimming through the story would lead you to conclude. When I also read that the Hebrew word that was translated to water in he asked her for water is synonymous with the word semen and is used in scripture often in sexual context, I wanted to throw up. I knew JL was brave, but I had no idea just how brave. Deborah celebrates her so beautifully in Judges 5 verses 24 through 27. Blessed above women shall Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, be. Blessed shall she be above women in the tent. He asked water, and she gave him milk. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. She put her hand to the nail and her right hand to the workman's hammer, and with the hammer she smote Sisera. She smote off his head when she had pierced and stricken through his temples." At her feet he bowed, he fell, he lay down. At her feet he bowed, he fell. Where he bowed, there he fell down dead. Some days the spirit of Deborah rises up in me and fills me with wisdom and healing and hope. And on other days, the spirit of Jael rises up in me as bravery to take down the enemy that once made me its prey. We can learn from both of these women and their stories, men and women alike. They are proof that no matter where you come from, what has happened to you, what is happening around you, there is a purpose to cling to that leads to victory and triumph. Both of these women worked with the gifts that they were given. Deborah used her wisdom and listening ear to strategize a brilliant battle plan that led to Israel knowing peace for 40 years. Jael was a tent dweller and used the tools she was skilled in wielding to literally slay the enemy. What gifts have you been given? What is in your hand that you have thought was meant for one use, but really is the thing that's going to usher in victory in your life? I am so thankful to Pastor Linda for using her prophetic gifts to speak these words over my life so I can now speak them over you, my friends. Linda's life was taken far too soon. Not long after this powerful moment together, she and Joe were on their way home from checking in on a ministry that they founded in Mexico to bring water and food to the children living in one of the city's garbage dumps when their plane, Alaska Airlines Flight 261, from Puerto Vallarta fell into the ocean. 88 people were lost and never recovered, but the legacy they left behind still reverberates. If you are seeking your purpose and are asking divine for the guidance to understand who you were created to be, then why don't we pray this prayer together? Divine creator, I am so grateful that you have given me the beautiful stories of scripture that help guide me on my own journey. 
I come to you today seeking the wisdom of Deborah and the courage of JL to rise up inside me and help me on the road ahead. Meet me in my frailties and show me the path to purpose, clarity, and victory. I surrender any preconceived ideas that tell me who I'm supposed to be and lean into the clarity of who you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I will leave you with a quote from Louisa May Alcott. The emerging woman will be strong-minded, strong-hearted, strong-souled, and strong-bodied. Strength and beauty must go together. I hope this musing has given you a little something to think about too. Thank you so much for joining me today for Divine Musing. For more information, head over to www.rambocory.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me at facebook.com forward slash Destiny Makes Music or on Instagram and Twitter at Des Rambo Music.